just I just I just speak my peace keep my peace What's good everybody? Welcome back to the Speak My Peace podcast. Um at the end of episode 94 I said that I know that, you know, I touched on a, a wide range of things, but I felt like I was, uh, I definitely had missed some things. And um, obviously at the conclusion of that episode, I realized there were some big things that I missed, not small things. So here we are with another episode of On Second Thought. I know there hasn't been many instances of this, but just a simple reminder for those of you who have been longtime listeners of the Speak On Peace podcast or first time listeners of the Speak On Peace podcast. Um on a second thought is just a series that I started um, about season two of the Speak on Peace podcast to where, you know, I was recording those one hour episodes. And at the conclusion of those episodes, there were certain things that I may have missed in, in covering when covering a certain topic or I may have had a change of mind. So I use this on a second thought to to either clear up something that I didn't feel good about or um, just a continuance of the previous episode. So this episode of. On a second thought for episode 94 is definitely a continuance of last episode because there were some stones on turn. The first thing I want to cover was the fighting. You know, I covered the fighting and the will to fight of of the black Tosins. Um, and I didn't really get into what they were fighting for or why they were fighting. Um, obviously, you know, this this huge race massacre was going on. They were up against um, a large number of people because of the Sheriffs and police down in Tulsa at the time had deputized um, an expected 500 people. So it was literally just those people who were occupying those 30 blocks in Tulsa, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, also known as Black Wall Street or Negro Wall Street at the time. Um, it was literally just the residents of those 35 blocks fighting against the entire city of, of Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, and probably even more. And, you know, Obviously, they were fighting for their lives. Obviously, it started with them protecting the young um, teenager, Dick Wolf or Dick uh, Roland. I'm sorry. I don't know where I got Dick Wolf from. Um, But the importance in that and what they were fighting for, just their legacies. Like, I I, I don't know how I missed that. I don't know how I didn't speak about that. But their legacies was important. They knew what they were up against and they knew they had to fight for it. Um, This this mob that you know were trying to erase for one obviously they were trying to erase that part of the city because it had been one so successful and two it was it was something that was concocted it was something that was built from the ground up by these these african americans and was commuting was creating an affluent community for black people and black people were being shown in a light that they have never been allowed to have been shown before despite you know everything that was up against them and as I said in the previous episode as well, is that this is something that, that you know, causes or pro- provides or serves as a threat to white supremacy. So when you get your first, you know, inkling or your first opportunity to erase that, you know, why not do that? And that has been the thinking for these white supremacists for, for so long. And thinking about all that, you know, thinking about the date that this race massacre happened, it began on Memorial Day. So think about the city of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Think about the state of Oklahoma. There were parades going on as still today in, in 2021. You know, Memorial Day, there are parades that happen to commemorate um, Memorial Day to commemorate the fallen soldiers. And as you can imagine, back in 1921, 
a lot of the veterans, a lot of people participating in these parades were more than likely a part of the, the, the clan. And so you have the city filled with potentially all these clan members participating in, in this, in this, uh, in these parades and and these events that's going on around the city to commemorate this holiday. And then you have this race, riot, this race, riot, And so now it's, it's an insurmountable amount of people in this city on that side of this mob that's trying to erase this city to get back to what I was speaking about, about what they were fighting for. These black people in Tulsa, Oklahoma were fighting for their legacies. They were fighting for their identity. They were fighting for history. They, they worked so hard to to get to where they were at at that point, and they didn't want to see that erased. And you could see 100 years later why they fought so hard, because America successfully for 100 years hid what happened there. Like, we don't know exactly the beauty of Tulsa, Oklahoma, as told by anyone other than black people, because only black people speak about it. We don't we don't hear anyone take into account. We don't hear anyone. Um, we don't hear too much of, of people, obviously, you know, the descendants are, are gone and stuff. We don't hear too many white Tulsa, Oklahoma speaking about their wrongdoing and their parts and, and erasing the identity of this successful community. And so that's what they were fighting for. They knew what they're up against and they did not want to have that erased because they knew the potential of that. They worked so hard to to establish this, they work so hard to to set this precedence for 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 many other black communities around the world. Like when I think of places like, shoot, where I'm from, um, Compton. When I think of places in, in other cities in LA. When I think of Long Beach. When I think of Inglewood. When I think of Lamert Park. I think of South Central. Even on the East Coast. Like um, when I lived in New York. Even though I lived in Queens, like I, I spent a lot of time on Harlem. There were sometimes I would literally just go to Harlem and, and and walk around Harlem because it was it was a it was a, a, a black community and I see places, I see people that look like me. I see places that are owned by people that look like me. And it was, it's, it's such a beautiful feeling to see that type of ownership, to see that type of happiness, to see that type of community. Um, even the same thing with Brooklyn. And these are not the only places that's happened. There's other places all around the country as well. But I'm just speaking about the places that I've been. Uh, when I travel, I make sure to go to these black communities. I, you know, I went to D.C. I make sure that, you know, when I go out to eat, I go to this black owned um, restaurant. When I same thing. Uh, and, you know, for those of you know, you know, D.C. is Chocolate City. Same thing with Philadelphia. It's just like we have little instances. We have little you know, cities and, and things like that, that, that kind of resembles what that looked like in 1921, but it's not quite the level of, of efficientness or self-sufficientness as Tulsa, Oklahoma or Black Wall Street was in 1921. So we have somewhat of an idea, but we don't exactly have an idea what that looked like. But I say all that to say that you have to understand the reason why they fought so hard to protect themselves and protect their loved ones and protect their their businesses and to protect their homes and to protect these this community because if they didn't fight for it, they would have went out laying down and there wouldn't have been no stories to tell. Like these accounts of these survivors is very unfortunate and it's heartbreaking to hear, but they still tell a story of what that city looked like prior to this this race massacre and and it's a beautiful thing um and and i couldn't i couldn't um definitely i, I definitely couldn't 
overlook that and not speak about that. Another thing was just the, the terms. You know, you, you hear it in the news now that it's being covered in the media. You hear it on, on social media. You hear it um, on the Internet to where sometimes it's been labeled as a massacre. Sometimes it's been labeled as uh, a riot. It was not a riot. This is another attempt of America trying to erase their wrongdoings, um, trying to erase what actually happened. Um, when we speak about the, the amnesia, convenient amnesia, the, the labeling of a riot allows them to not own up to their parts in erasing that history and not telling that story and omitting that part uh, from curriculums all across this country. And the reason the reason for the terms is the reason why it's called a riot and some people call it a massacre is because if you designate it as a riot, you you kind of prevent the possibility of of having any um onus to what happened. Back then it was called a riot for insurance purposes. So if you called it a riot versus a massacre, insurance companies they were omitted from like having to pay benefits to the people of Greenwood. Um, obviously, because people will want to claim. Obviously, because people will want to um, start claims to reclaim those homes that were destroyed, to reclaim those businesses that were destroyed, and to just get some type of value back for the property that that was now plummeted and now was like at the ground level. Um, if you label it a riot, it allows for these insurance companies not be responsible to have to pay those people out. If you label it a massacre then there had to be some onus and it had to be someone responsible for that. And in this case, it would have been the city. Um, obviously, when you have something like a, a, a police department deputizing civilians and allowing um, people to, to, to cause to, to, to spark fires and to blow up buildings and, and drop bombs on airplanes and things like that, that responsibility is, is then placed on the city, then placed on the state, then placed on the government. So when you label it a riot, you don't have to worry about all that. So I caution you all when you speak about it and you tell a story to your children or tell a story to your family, call it what it is. And it was a massacre. Um, it's unfortunate that no one has taken responsibility for this. It's unfortunate that descendants um, never got any benefits from from what happened, from everything that was erased. But, you know, we have to continue to tell their story correctly. Um because when we erase that, when we, when we don't tell the story correctly, we erase part of history. And so we have to help them in that. Um, the reason why I speak about this is because there's an ongoing conversation about reparations for descendants of the survivors. Because lineage, lineages were, were, were erased, um, businesses were erased, and people literally had to start all over with no help. And now we have descendants and we have some survivors who are fighting for reparations for what happened, because obviously it was it, this happened as a result of something um, that was out of their control. When you have them fighting for reparations, you now have the government saying that, you know, we can't pay them reparations because it's just not, you know, this shouldn't be this burden shouldn't be placed on taxpayers um, within the city, which it's in it's inhumane um, to say the least because those same taxpayers are descendants of people who helped erase this entire community. Those same taxpayers 
are descendants of people who profited off of this same community who had to restart because when we speak about Greenwood now, a lot of the businesses in Greenwood are not specifically not um, owned by black people. It's a mixture. Um, as I said, I think it was like the number is like 30 to 60 businesses in, in Greenwood today are owned by black people uh, opposed to back in 1921 when there were 600. Um, those those numbers are, are, are very off. But now you have people who are profiting off of this. We, we, we know what gentrification is. Um, we have these businesses. We have the Starbucks. They built a they built a, a freeway, a highway right in the middle of Greenwood to allow for more of those things like gentrification, allow for more of those things like redlining and, and pushing people out of that part of the city that was particularly predominantly um, cohabitated by black people. And so we can't forget that and we and, and in order to help those people that are fighting for it, I don't know what the end of this fight for reparations look like for the descendants and for the survivors, but I hope that they get their just due because they're, they're definitely, you know, worth it. Um, so that's just that in regards to how we label it. Please, 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 when you tell the story, label it a massacre. Another thing, when we speak about erasing the history, um... There is ongoing investigation about grave excavations because a lot of these people, a lot of these bodies were flung into mass grave sites. And for those of you who visually can depict what a mass grave site looked like, it's basically one big hole and they dumped hundreds of, of bodies in, in one big hole. And so when we speak about lineages, as I so often been speaking of in these past two episodes, um, Lineages are erased by that act right there. You don't identify the dead body. Um, you don't identify where it's located. You literally just throw it into a hole, cover it up, and you go 100 years without anyone even speaking about it or thinking about it. Um, when we think about the, the, the term of resting in peace, and I don't care what denomination or what walk of faith you walk by, you, you don't rest in peace if, you, if your body is, is unclaimed, if your body is not spoken about, if your body is hidden. You know, I would assume that that's not peace. That's not peace for you in the afterlife. And I would assume that's not peace for your family because there's a lot of worry that comes with that. Because for one, you don't get to properly, you know, say no goodbyes. You don't get to properly identify, you know, whether that was this person or not. So there's a lot of there's a lot of stones unturned in doing something like that. And so this was another one of those things that helped with erasing this part of history and, and just not identifying what what happened by just throwing these, th these bodies into big holes and not being held accountable for it. So currently they're doing investigations and they're doing mass um, grave um, excavations and uh, and, I, and I hope that some families have some peace um, because it's, it's, it's very unfortunate but you know this was another one of those instances is another one of those tricks that they use to accurately erase those people history in that state and it, I mean in that city and the last thing from this when I speak about survivors I speak about descendants it's just a, the, the the trauma of the aftermath like I, I, I've seen many and countless of interviews with with um, survivors people who are who are very young during the time people who um, probably weren't that young at the time 
they when when they speak about it it pains them to speak about it some of them refuse to speak about it because that's how horrific the site was that they just don't want to revisit what that day or what those days and what those hours were, were of of having to try to fight to 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 get out and try to protect your family and try to you know just not have your family erased and it's unfortunate to to witness this but again to see these firsthand accounts and hear these people tell these stories I don't want to use the word grateful I'm not going to use the word grateful but it's something that we definitely need um in my closing remarks all I want to say is Black people, and I said this in the last episode, let's just continue, continue to do our research. Let's continue to do these stories. Um, obviously, our history is is very important for our future. When I mean by our future, I mean our, our children, grandchildren, nieces and nephews, so on and so forth. Um, if we continue to keep these stories alive, people could be held accountable. Like... I know the saying is cliche about, you know, change might not happen in my lifetime. It may not happen in my child's lifetime. It may happen in my in my children's lifetime. Think about 100 years and everything that happened over 100 years. There were people who, who, who've died within those years. Those people became grandparents, um, great-grandparents, and so on and so forth. And now here we are 100 years later, and there's ongoing fights for for reparations there's an ongoing fight for grave excavations and there's ongoing fights to rebuild that historic district of of greenwood and there's people who's trying their best to to rewrite history and the importance in that is it shows the resilience of our people we don't go down without a fight you don't erase that many people you don't erase that many families you don't erase that many businesses and and get away with it we continue to hold these people accountable we continue to tell our stories um the better the future are for for our lineage because they understand what they're up against they understand what this fight is for that's all i have in the speak one piece podcast i'll speak to you all on thursday again thank you all for tuning in um subscribe 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 if you're listening on spotify apple google stitcher Wherever the case may be, SoundCloud. Make make sure you're subscribing. Make sure you're rating. Um, leave feedback. I appreciate it all for my YouTube viewership. Thank you all for tuning in. I don't put the on the second thought episodes on YouTube, but for the the regular episodes, definitely thank you all for tuning in and continue to view on YouTube. Um, I can't stress enough how important that is. That's the Big One Piece podcast. I'm out.